Boy Julian on the Roundup and Roundup time. So this is my albums of the year. Every year I do my albums, tracks and movies of the year and over the Christmas period. And I mentioned at the top this has been the worst year for art this century. Certainly the worst year for albums, tracks and movies. Normally I'm culling really good albums to fit in to my two-hour radio show. This year it's been a case of tracks, movies and albums trying to fill it out. I don't know what the answer is there. Um, I do have some thoughts. I think in the art appreciation is really bad at the moment. We focus almost journalists almost solely focus on the story of the person making it, or to be impolite, how far that person is away from being a white Anglo-Saxon straight male. Uh, and we've seen once esteemed publications like Pitchfork, uh, the music magazine, probably the music magazine of the century up until about two or three years ago, even when it was going downhill. Solely focus on giving good reviews to female solo acts, non-binary people, trans people, and basically non-white people. So the corrective measures in place for journalists to appreciate music by people that were shut out of the system was completely valid five years ago. But it has become solely that, so we're appreciating a lot of mediocre stuff now. And you can see the Pitchfork album list this year was their weakest in their history. And it's almost like, will this do at number one? Like, virtually nothing in there was any good. And and I also think it was just a very weak year for music and movies. I think that um, every publication has got a wildly different list, (coughs) denoting that there wasn't really any consensusly brilliant music out there. Certainly a lot, I mean, I love every of the, one of the albums I've got in my top 30, but it wouldn't, they wouldn't stack up against previous years. So it's not just the fact that, you know, go woke or go broke. Uh, it's not just the fact that they solely focus on anyone they can that isn't a straight white male making music, which of course excludes a lot of the good stuff. There's something else going on because even my year's list, I don't exclude that music and it's still probably the weakest list. But anyway, I race through from 30 to 20. I open with Remy Wolf's debut Juno, which is really good. Um, Clinic, a long-time Liverpool band at 29 with Fantasy Island. The second album from the wonderful punk, straight punk, as in uh, not post-punk or weird, Ammo and the Sniffers, Comfort to Me, the second from that Melbourne band at 28. The greatest current producer in hip-hop who does album projects, The Alchemist, teamed up with Armand Hammer at 27. He made it in my list last year with Freddie Gibbs, I believe. Uh, Lingua Ignota, Get Ready at 26. Sierra Ferrell, a straight, weird country album, long time coming, her debut. Uh, Sam Shepard's Floating Points project, teaming up with both jazz legend Pharaoh Sanders and the London Symphony Orchestra. With Promises at 24. Lana Del Rey, the better of the two albums from her this year. Chemtrails over the Country Club at 23. Uh, brilliant debut from Squid, the UK. Very much experimental post-punk band. And Bright Greenfield. And Death Heaven, not exactly going pop, as everyone said, as much as going Morrissey at 21. So I race through those so I can... Um, well, not on YouTube. You can't hear any of the music, but play the fuller versions of tracks this is from the one of the electronic albums of the year that was the most interesting the uh, chinese born yu su who resides in vancouver canada her album yellow river blue kicks off the top 20 
and Melaleuca, which is a yellow river blue. Kicking off the top 20 albums of the <laughs> great year. Uh, number 19, I believe, the West Side Gun affiliated Mac Homie, who's uh, one of the stranger and more um, enticing figures in rap music in a year that was very up and down for rap music. Um, there were some really good ones in the end, but um, for a while there, there wasn't anything at all. So from Pray for Haiti at number 19 in my albums of the year, Possible Swearing, No Blood, No Sweat. <laughs> I guess one of the good things is um, I get to play the full tracks because I haven't, because I've raced through that uh, 30 to 20 um, so quickly that I, for once I'm not going to be in a... The usual show, if you've never seen it, is me playing um, the, the 10 best albums of the year over the course of one and a half minutes at the end of the show. But I think I'm all right for time this time. Uh, 18, The Golden Casket from Modest Mouse, one of the great alt-rock bands of all time. I put them above possibly the Pixies and Nirvana for me. Um, hadn't done much in the last decade. The last album was pretty dire, but this is their best album for since probably 2007. The Golden Casket, ignored by all because they're a straight white male band playing guitars, um, but I thought it was a fantastic record. And we are in between. Oh, I always thought this was we are in between, but it's we are between at number 18. In their end of year list, but a brilliant album from Modest Mouse at 18. At 17, I think there were four major Brit post-punk art house spiky weirdo bands that um, released great albums over the last 12 months. Working Men's Club and uh, Squid was in my list. Working Men's Club was probably September last year. By far the most boring was Dry Cleaning, uh, and they got the plaudits because they got a female lead singer. That's it. The music was boring and the lead singer is one of the most insipid I've ever heard. Best of the Bunch was Black Midi, their second album, and Cavalcade, and oh my god, Chondro Malaysia Patella, and the Black Midi album at number 17. <laughs> You're Julian counting down my albums of 2022, lackluster year all up, but um, I all really good albums at number 16 nick cave and warren ellis from such groups as nick cave and the bad seeds for decades they pair off and do a lot of um quite highly acclaimed soundtrack work but um they actually released a surprise album which moved away from nick cave's incredible run of very very moving and intensely emotional elegiacs albums of recent times especially since the death of his son uh to return to at least half more rocky fair so at number 16 nick cave and warren ellis's carnage and old time I just wish he'd carried on in the rock vein of the first half of the album. He went a bit elegiac in the second half, but still fantastic. From Nick Cave and Warren Ellis at number 16 and Carnage. At number 15, arguably the most important band in the world at the moment. I'd say they've had a fair stab. The still and largely anonymous UK collective Salt, who I was a latecomer to, but released four excellent albums over the course of two years. And came back this year with Nine, which was an album released for apparently 99 days 
and then it will be deleted. It was an, yet another. They've got five for five now. It was a fantastic album. At number 16, called Nine and London Gangs. That's uh, Salt's fifth album in about three years, called Nine at number 15. At 14 is Tenashi. Um, she recorded one of my favourite tracks of the century, I Love to Get Two On, and was destined to be the next big R&B singer, and was for a while, but um, her career tapered off and she got dropped by a record label and reinvented herself as a much more sort of Janelle Monet-esque experimental artist. And I loved her album, 333 and uh, from that X from and Jeremiah my 14th best album of the year 333 in that track X you're Julian on the out counting down my albums of a luckluster 2022 one did I say 2022 before I did I remember things but after <laughs> an hour after I've done them at number 13 um well, there's this weird thing, sort of post-burial thing, of um, anonymous artists that's really catching on at the moment. I don't know what... That, I think that says something. I think that says something about certain kinds of people coming forward, because I've got at least three in the list that are all relatively new acts that are, are anonymous. And one of the most interesting was Paranormal, a, apparently a guy that lives with his mum and made an album in his bedroom in south korea and released it on Bandcamp, and it was um it was a shoegaze album but it was also it, it embraced a lot of 90s rock that was analogous like siamese dream from the smashing pumpkins and so on it wasn't just a shoegaze pastiche i did a whole shoegaze special a couple of years ago as it's one of the genres that's never died it died young and left a good looking corpse but it's been reanimated so often now it's like really trendy but such a great wide-ranging album a really long enjoyable listen this track from my 13th album of the year called to see the next part of the dream which i actually bought on bandcamp bandcamp is becoming a terrific place to find me not just to find music but to obtain music as well and this track chicken um zero budget bedroom production with no uh professional involvement from anyone it's good it's an amazingly deep record it's not me it's music that isn't without detail it's, it's a really good album in paranormal from south korea who he is we don't know he's in his mum's basement apparently to see the next part of the dream at 13 and number 12 <coughs> an album that occupies virtually the same space as a phenomenal second album by sydney's julia jacklin called i think cruising last year which was for me one of the albums of the year and missed off all of the end of year list because perhaps it came out in January and people forgot about it. Indigo Spark, debut album from a Sydney singer-songwriter that sounds completely formed on her debut. She's got a very rounded style of um, almost <laughs> lingoa ignota, but on a, on a folk level. She's got a really very uh, strong mood to her tracks it's a very sort of dreamy lost feeling album and everything sort of fits into the whole uh, perfectly realized debut called echo oh at number 12 and this track colorblind love can break your heart or a heart is it that way around 
Uh, a Balearic House tune that is just as good today as it was then and one of the most imaginative cover versions ever. A three-piece from south-east of England, Sarah Cracknell, Dream Girl, uh, Bob Stanley and Pete Wiggs. They never really tapered off. They just carried on going and, and got slower. Um, but they're still making really good albums. Home Counties from 2017 was a magnificent album. But I've been trying to tell you from this year was a very different kettle of fish. Uh, Home Counties was um, probably their most straight live instrumentation band record. This time around uh, in lockdown, they for some reason decided to make a chill out record out of samples from the late 90s and early 2000s and i loved it as a as as wallpaper it was incredibly beautiful at number 11 i've been trying to tell you from st etienne and this track music again sounds fantastic all the way through at number 20 you sue's debut yellow river blue you're with julian counting down my top 30 albums of the year movies probably next week and tracks the week after as i do every year at 19 mac homie pray for haiti modest mouse return to form golden casket at 18 black midi cavalcade at 17 half the bad seeds at least nick cave and warren ellis carnage at 16 salt nine at 15 and tanashi's Triple three at 14. South Korean Wonder Kid, whoever he is, Paranol at 13. To see the next part of the dream, Indigo Spark, Sydney, singer-songwriters, debut album Echo at 12. And that, Saint Etienne, I think about their eighth or tenth album, I've been trying to tell you. So we're in the top 10 albums of the year. I think I've probably had Ice Age, the Danish punk kids who arrived on the scene with a fierce sound uh, about 10 years ago i think i've had all five of their albums in my um albums of the year i've certainly featured them all on my show and they were at the breaking point of abrasive from um, probably their first four albums this time around seat shelter remarkably reimagined them as a sort of post rolling stones in fact not just post-Rolling Stones band, but almost like Primal Scream doing the Rolling Stones around the mid-90s. And they had uh, some of the tracks had elements of Manchester in it. A really unexpected twist to their bow. Uh, from Seek Shelter, my 10th, we're in the top 10, album of the year, Love Kills Slowly. Love kills Kicking off the top 10, a wonderful album, Seek Shelter from the Danish band Ice Age. At number nine, we were just speaking about how being anonymous is quite a thing at the moment. Recent edition, uh, Pink Panther has her debut. Well, not so much a debut. It's not really a full album. It's more of a mixtape of two-minute tracks that run a gamut all the way through UK electronic music from drum and bass to jungle to uh, two-step and garage and is one of my favourites of the year. At number nine... Uh, called To Hell With It, and this track, I Must Apologise. Who goes by the name of Pink Pantherist, and we don't know what her real name is. At nine, with To Hell With It. At number eight, an album that slipped by virtually all end-of-year lists. I can't explain why. I'm a latecomer to Conor J. O'Brien's Irish folk indie band, Villagers. But Fever Dreams, I think their fifth album in a decade, really had several of the year's best songs on it. And uh, it's my eighth best album of the year, and this track, The First Day. 
<laughs> Weirdly, she turned up in the Venom movie. Uh, God, that film stunk to heaven. But anyway, she's come back with um, If uh, Grey Area was this incredibly tightly wound album, a brilliant album. Sometimes I Might Be an Introvert, her fourth, um, is a maximalist long-form listen. And um, often very good, if a bit long. Uh, I noticed that Dave album never got in anyone's list of the year. I said at the time, as with his previous album, the first few listens, you think it's brilliant, and then you suddenly think, actually, it's a bit cringe, isn't it? But this time around, I didn't really like it. But another great album from Little Sims at seven. Sometimes I might be an introvert and the opener. One of my favourite websites is uh, Metacritic. For a start, it, it wipes the floor with Rotten Tomatoes as far as scoring films goes because it actually does the average score rather than how many people have raved about it or hated it. So you get a lot of 90% films on Rotten Tomatoes that are like 6 out of 10 because you know 90% of people gave it a 6 out of 10, but they actually do the scores. But they, at the end of the year, they do roundups of all of the publications so they're another um, aggregate site, and they do roundups of um, all the end of year lists. And that <coughs> seventh on my list, uh, sometimes I might be an introvert by Little Sims, is far away the number one best reviewed album of the year. And uh, Promises by Floating Points, which you've had in this list, was number two. And the number three one is coming up in two tracks time at number six uh adam granduciel's the war on drugs occupy a unique space in music with regards to being um uh, an 80s widescreen rock band and i don't live here anymore is arguably the most focused album yet this is victim i try not use tracks on my album list that are going to feature my tracks of the year but I think a couple of these are going to that was equal joint highlight from the war on drugs I don't live here anymore at number six at number five Tyler Gregory Oconma from California co-founder of the Wolfgang project that used to feature Frank Ocean and um on front terrible of rap music uh, with some very abrasive dark rap music that pulled um, R&B was one of the forces alongside the likes of The Weeknd with pulling um, black American music into much darker, abrasive, weirder places about 10 years ago. His last few albums have just been fantastic and um, arguably, well possibly the best one yet was uh, Call Me If You Get Lost. And that was the, I uh, mentioned the Metacritic list of Little Sims at number one, the most widely praised album in the end of year lists and Floating Points Promises, which I had in my list. But um, this one was the number three one, which I mentioned. Possible swearing. This is Lumberjack from my fifth best album of the year. Call me if you get lost. Troop, Godspeed, you Black Emperor are titans of post-rock that made um, some of the most amazing instrumental albums I've ever heard around the turn of the 2000s and came back after a long hiatus with some really good records but a fading tapering off a few years back but um, I thought their new album God's P at State's End was a the best album they've done since Lift Your Skinny Fists Like Antennas to Heaven and the closest in, they got really into making very very loud rock music uh, and this was a time where I thought they'd really gone back 
to F sharp, A sharp, infinity, probably my all-time favorite um, uh, instrumental rock album. And um, it's very hard to program these because they're 20 minutes long. So a snippet of a military alphabet, five eyes all blind from my number four album from Godspeed, you Black Emperor from Canada, God's P at State's End. I think the difference between that Godspeed album and the last probably three since their rebirth, if there were three, is that um, the other ones were really asking you to come on a punishing journey and make an effort, whereas this one was all about rewarding with um, some very anthemic skyscraping Godspeed, which is what I wanted personally. At number, that was at number four, and number three in my albums of the year, um, Matt Sweeney, a, a indie godhead session guitarist of multiple acts, and Bonnie Prince Billy, aka Will Oldham, a long standing uh, musician, used to be in Palace Music, and uh, his album I See a Darkness under that name, Bonnie Prince Billy, is one of my all time favourite records. I even did uh, a show on it, uh, a, a, a retrospective show on it about a year ago their follow-up to their 10 year old albums i think called superwolf called superwolves was a songwriting highlight the best singer songwriting album of the year called superwolves at number three and this track good to my girls so the lyrics on it are just stunning like say something so rude yeah, also like there's more meaning to the rudeness that he occasionally throws out. Matt Sweeney and Bonnie Prince Billy, a magnificent singer-songwriter album. Super Wolves, uh, guitarist Matt Sweeney winding around Bonnie Prince Billy's year best lyrics for me uh, at number three. At number two, well, there's always this thing with films where I, you know, a lot of the films I see in this year came out last year and what to include and what to not include. This album did come out last year, but it came out so close to Christmas, I don't think it counts for me. Uh, I didn't hear it until the new year. It was a few days before Christmas. So, well, since they've come back, I mean, I, the original uh, member, Darren Seltman, must be a bit annoyed because he hung around for 15 years waiting for the Avalanches to follow up their Immortal Since I Left You album. Uh, and since then, Wildflower in 2016, and this one, I think their best album, We Will Always Love You, uh, with Robbie Chatter and now Tony De Blasey uh, from Australia, and this the title track, which when it drops its chorus is just magnificent. My second favourite album of the year, even though it was slightly last year. Well, you're with Julian on the Brown Oak. My top 10 albums of the year, I Say Seek Shelter at 10, Pink Panther of To Hell with it at 9, Villages, Fever Dreams at 8, Little Sims, the album's best, the album that was most featured in top 10 lists of the year. Sometimes I might be an introvert. The War on Drugs, I Don't Live Here Anymore at 6, Tyler's Call Me If You Get Lost at 5, Godspeed You Black Emperor, God's P at State Send at 4, and Matt Sweeney and Bonnie, Prince Billy with Super Wolves at 3, and that track was We Will Always Love You, the title track of the third brilliant album by Avalanches at number two. At number one, my album of 2021 is Kevin Martin, a.k.a. Well, he records under many aliases. King Midas Sound, I've featured a few of those albums over the last decade. 
but the bug is the one that's most synonymous with him for um, being basically Notting Hill Carnival bass heavy sound system music and even though the last bug album was a lot more pop it's his 2007 album London Zoo which was a brutal bass heavy album and one of the best of the century I did a feature on that album too he came back this year with Fire and it was as heavy or if even heavier than London Zoo a magnificent album my album of the year and this track may contain swearing pressure featuring longtime collaborator Flowdan and my album of the year, The Bug and Fire. Adios.